what is up everybody so you are listening to an on the road episode i had the distinct pleasure of being at the crossfit games last week representing victory grips it was our inaugural booth for the crossfit games we launched a new product we brought up some updated old products overall it was a really cool week just in the regards that what's really cool about our setup is we get to spend a lot of time with clients with customers just being able to talk to them show them what we got going on but also really find out what it is that they're looking for and they need the other cool thing about being at the games was being around the sport for so long it was so cool to see a year that was so kind of mm, what do they want to say wrapped in change controversy all over the place it was really just a a switch in the dynamic of what the sport is as as an actual sport but also to just the way changes are perceived by the community so on and so forth and it was just it was cool to see hard to see for some athletes how the week kind of shook out what the actual events were going to look like and how that played into the system of the new cuts so on and so forth the other great thing was just getting to connect with a lot of new people coaches business people and then reconnect with a lot of people i hadn't seen in a long time so uh, if you came by the booth and said hi i just want to say i appreciate you uh it meant a lot to me and for everybody that just came through in general uh to get grips get educated it was a lot of fun and i'm really appreciative of that i sat down uh just off to one of the side rooms briefly with a gentleman by the name of ed haynes so ed haynes was there coaching his brother uh Ante haynes who is an international athlete and we get to dive in and talk a little bit about how how as a coach do you kind of navigate you know the burden and responsibility of when you're in charge of you know an athlete's emotions their weekend their competition their training like with the new season and the way everything has shifted like how do you start to control that or maybe not control that but how do you start to deliver you know deliver just a sense of being able to guide all the way through what the year looks like and, and what competition looks like so ed's a great coach he's a very smart and very handsome dude uh and we get to sit down and just really have a cool conversation on a little bit of just the emotional side of coaching but also to what he thinks it's going to take to be able to kind of navigate this new landscape of the CrossFit game so enjoy this on the road episode with Ed Haynes all right so um I'm sitting here 2019 games this is, is it Saturday? It's, it's Saturday, Saturday day at day three. I'm sitting here with Ed Haynes. Um, so you, you know, we could consider you an international coach. You've got international athletes. So this year at the Games, how many athletes and what are the names of your athletes that are competing this year? Uh, so this year, just had one athlete. Okay. Um, just had Ant Haynes, uh, okay. representing from China. Um, yeah, that's it. A few that were really close, okay. just one this year. Okay. Um, so for you... You know, we, t- we were talking about right before we started recording, like, a little bit of what we think of the season, what, what we think of, the, of what's the new landscape and everything. And obviously, 
the cut system is very de detrimental emotionally and mentally for a lot of that's new this year and you yeah. know there was a lot of variabilities that we couldn't see I mean in event one we lost in the men's division one we lost, we lost six vet games veterans in yeah. event one so for you as an international coach and, and having international athletes and stuff like that your you could say time invested to get here is now like that's for, for somebody an athlete that lives in the states that's a much bigger commitment for you guys so for you as an international coach Outside of like the principles and everything, how do you manage kind of helping the mental and emotional side of all that? Because obviously you guys came over how how early? We were here three weeks, three weeks before. Okay, and for you guys, you obviously used that to just kind of acclimate. So for you as a coach, like when you're looking at now the new season, the new format, like how do you start to mentally and emotionally organize that for yourself? And how do you kind of start to handle that for your athletes that are having to make realistically more than ever in the sport a, a very big life commitment to that yeah I think it, I think firstly it depends upon the goal of the individual right and specifically in this scenario you know you have someone like Ant and you know someone like Tammy Robertson who didn't compete this year but she's been to the games before and you know, in this season she's looking to make a push to get back to the CrossFit Games potentially you know you have specifically the international athletes a lot of people that we work with their goal is just to get to the games mm -hmm. so you know there's this, the sport has changed and now there's an avenue for country winners to you know win their country and suddenly they're at the CrossFit Games amazing whereas you have people like Ant and Tammy whose goal isn't just to get here but the goal is to compete and to progress through the elimination phases as far as they can I think so those are two very different things immediately right. because you know, in the grand scheme of things, we have a lot of country winners, specifically in Asia, if that's what we're talking about, who won their country fairly comfortably mm -hmm. because, you know, perhaps they're in a nation that uh, isn't that developed within the sport or they sure. just got into it at an early stage. And therefore, in terms of what they needed to commit to the process of getting here, they probably didn't have to change anything. Sure. You know, before the new change to the format, like they'd be winning their country for the last four or five years. And then suddenly CrossFit Games changes the layout and like, this is amazing, they're here now. Mm -hmm. So I think in terms of those people, nothing really changes, but it's just like they now have the, you know, they can now class themselves as the CrossFit Games athletes, sure. which I think is a pretty amazing. Uh, and then you have obviously people like, let's use Ant for example, who made it to the final 30 this year, just missed out on 20 cut. Um, which is incredible. Which is awesome, which yeah. is incredible. Um, you know, I certainly know for him, we had a quick debrief yesterday and like the goal for him is to, to make it further. Sure. Like as, as amazing as it was for him to get to where he did, like he wants to be out there today and he mm -hmm. didn't, you know, he didn't even buy himself a Coliseum ticket because he expected to still be competing. Sure. And that's a very, very different mindset to the country when he just wants to turn up and compete. And so, yeah, it means that someone like Ant now, we're going to have to go back and, and, you know, really look at the grand scheme of what limited him from progressing further mm. and, you know, decide and look back at his lifestyle commitments, his job commitments, his relationship commitments and decide, you know, is that based on what we're currently doing, is that enough to make the exponential step to right. make it to the top 20, for example? Right. And I know it's not so black and white because right. the test could have come out where the first workout he may have been cut and that may happen one year. True. The test may come out that he may make it to the final 10 because, you know, they work in his favor. Right. Uh, in which case, you know, who knows? So, you know, that whole, I mean, that right there was the sport in a nutshell, which is what I love so much about it. it is is it's so hard to forecast and it's so hard to plan. But I think, you know, really going back to your question, it's deciding, you know, for the athlete what it really is that they want to, what, what they want to achieve. And if, 
if you do have a country winner who says, you know, I want to get to day two, get to day three of the CrossFit Games, or maybe it's even to survive the first cut, which is pretty damn amazing because that's a 50% cut mm-hmm. field. Right. You know, then we can just look at statistical data to say, well, here's what you need to be able to do. Right. And even that, even that statement right there is loose because this is the first year we've ever seen the format. And I think if you look at the test so far, we've had seven, six tests so far. Right. I mean, we've seen a barbell in one workout, yep. the very first one. It's been very run biased. Uh, there's been nothing heavy so far. Like previously in other years, like that's a very different set of tests right. compared to what athletes had to prepare for. So. I mean, yeah, just more questions and answers, I think. There's more gray area to, to sift through in a lot of what. Yeah. So I think, you know, a lot of, and I agree with a lot of what you're saying, and I think that I think the piece, you know, being around the sport first as a fan and as a hobbyist, in the, you know, in 2011 and 12 and, yeah. and seeing it now, I think the argument that I feel like I keep making for the athletes and or for the sport is that this is, it's, I think sometimes as a community or as an athlete, we can get very upset when uh, the workouts become unknown and unknowable. But if anything, the fact that the format was unknown and unknowable this year, I think is a, is a large testament to all the limiters outside of physical fitness that an athlete has to endure. And obviously, you know, there's a lot of programming, a lot of science and everything that goes into that as a coach. But for you as a coach, when you have these situations where you have athletes that get cut and there is a lot of gray area and variability, like as a as a person yourself, like how do you for yourself because you you have a heart not just attached to what you love doing, but it's now attached to the emotions and the well being and the livelihood of, of adults who are giving up, like you said, right. relationships, jobs, maybe even financial situations. Like when you go home or you go back to the drawing board for yourself, like how do you as a coach process that like burden of emotion that and mental capacity that you have to kind of get yourself through to then also be responsible for the emotions and and mind state of your athletes as well yeah i mean i think that's such a big piece of like being a competitive athlete right and you know again going back to the example of Anne, Anne is you know both myself and Anne played competitive rugby for a large part of like our adult lives before transitioning to CrossFit sure. and part of being a professional athlete is that you become accustomed to the ups and downs of competition you know like you don't ride your highs too long you don't ride your lows too long and quite honestly working with someone like Anne um, it's easy because like he understands the emotional commitment that you're making towards this like this really massive goal sure. and you know when it doesn't go your way you know, he kind of knows how to deal with it. Sure. You know, there's only so much you can do, I think, as a coach when you can offer as much insight, wisdom, advice. But at the end of the day, like, I think that the athletes who have longevity in the sport, who can keep on coming back and competing at the highest level, just have a really great way of internalizing and dealing with, like, success and failure. Sure. So, you know, I think, I do think that's a huge piece, though. I think it's a huge piece. I think generally as a coaching community, we don't think about probably enough. No. And I think if you want to get long-term success out of people, because like, the competition in the CrossFit Games right now, that is just like the cherry on the top. <laughs> but to get there, like, right. there's successes and wins constantly throughout your training. Like, we all know athletes who have great training weeks, bad training weeks, and the people who can't bounce, b- bounce back from those bad training days or training times or weeks or periods, they just never last and I've worked with some really talented people who I thought could make it to you know the 1% of of everyone in this sport but just didn't have it right upstairs and maybe that came down to justification as to why they're doing it maybe it came down to like discipline sure 
maybe it came down to the fact that like they didn't like losing right. and maybe it was an ego driven thing as to why they got into the first place sure. particularly in Asia whereby you know you're very much for most people in Asia especially the country winners you're a big fish in a very small pond sure. and like you get this inflated hyped up ego where you're just better than everyone else for so long and then suddenly you step into an environment like the US or the CrossFit Games or even sanctioned events now right. and like it's very humbling sure. it's, you know for some people that's just a little bit too much to take so I think I think certainly for me you know where my where I've seen my role shift as a coach in terms of kind of what my duty is to my athletes is yes of course you've got to provide a program that's progressive and periodizing and get moving to their goals you know but really like the mindset piece and just you know providing as much insight as I can and experience from what I've dealt with in the past and other athletes I've worked with is such an important part of, of making it far for you as a coach when you look at that 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 piece of it do you do you feel like you like to let the athlete sometimes dwell just a little bit yeah. before you start to kind of because what I see a lot of times, and I've seen this with coaches who are, especially coaches who are getting athletes to this stage for the first time, or they come into contact with their first bit of success as a coach, because as you know, that's a lot of pride too on, in yourself, yeah. whether you know the data shows that, well, that athlete already had the capacity without right. you or not. I think that sometimes too, that when our athletes start to fail or struggle, we we can easily step in too soon before we let them be in their own space. Like for you, what do you try to let the athlete go through? Like obviously, you know, you know that Ant has gone through enough of his own background where you yeah. you have faith in how he's going to get through it. But you know, for you, or maybe even speaking to a coach that maybe might be in that position, like what do you like to let the athlete kind of process through before you step in to kind of create a perspective or create a solution or something yeah. like that that's a really great question and I think the answer really like depends upon the individual sure um, but I think generally my general my general approach is just to stand off sure you know, let watch and observe and see how they internalize and they deal with the situation um, and then you know at a later time step in but I think it really comes down to this is why like competition is so important for athletes like you can be somebody fantastic in your gym in your own comfort your own environment mm-hmm not really deal with success and, or failures sure. too often or, or setbacks uh, and then suddenly you know get to the first competition and you see a very different side to a person and I've seen this so many times with athletes um, and I think you know it's, it's so it's an amazing part I think it's an amazing pleasure as a coach to be able to travel with your athlete to a competition and be in the thick of like the emotional torment or, or you know the emotional high mm-hmm. of a competition and I think, you know, you can you always come out, every time I've gone to a competition with an athlete, I've always come out with a stronger relationship with yeah. that athlete. Because, like, you get to a really experience, you know, when, like, when stress is extremely high, you know, people tend to show their true colors, how they start to deal with it. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, I've had, I do have some athletes who, you know, like to be handheld to those situations. Sure. They like to have, you know, someone to talk to every night. They like to have confirmation and the decisions that they're making. They like to have reassurance, in which case kind of I'm going to be there as a sounding board more yes, than anything to right. just kind of, just to listen and provide insight if needed. But I think, you know, a lot of times when people in those situations, like they just they just want someone to listen to. Sure. And someone who can kind of understand them and uh, empathize with the position that they're in. Right. I think a lot of times that becomes my, you know, the role that I have to take as a coach. Rather than sometimes feeling, which I think a lot of coaches do, and I think you were kind of getting onto this, is that, 
you feel that because you're in a position where you know you're being paid to get an athlete from goal A to, from point A to point B is that you feel like you have to give advice or you, you feel like you have to provide the best solution yes, all the time right. when really like the whole the whole thing of like dealing with failures it's like it's a very human thing it's not nothing really specifically to coach there's nothing clinical like, about it no absolutely right. so I think you know such a big part of being able to be a successful coach really comes down to the relationship you can develop with your athlete right. and really what that means is like how well you can develop a relationship with other human beings yeah. um, like you know you're right it doesn't get any more clinical than that no and I agree and I think that you know I think that much like training and much like anything else, like the relationship that you build, and I agree with you, I think that a lot of what is lost, not maybe lost, but maybe what isn't learned yet with a lot of eager coaches, and I'm sure you guys get a lot of this perspective coming to the U.S., but, you know, unfortunately, our country and our culture is saturated saturated with instant gratification, and coaching is not one that's away from that like it, yeah. it's it becomes that thing like you were saying a because it's a sense of duty you feel but then also to a sense of responsibility or pride you can right. feel and so i think that you know the philosophy i always try to take and you know i don't have any games athletes i don't really care whether i do or i don't because yeah. i like working with humans yeah um you know but my philosophy is always much like my marriage it's like if I see that somebody is processing something different than me. I don't try, I don't even try to put myself in somebody else's shoes because I feel that my, you know, the failures I've had in my life or my, the culture I've been raising and things, those are gonna unconsciously be, I'm gonna have a bias towards it. So I always try to allow people, um, you know, to, as a coach, to create space for them. Yeah. You know, like you said, maybe it's just walking down a hallway and reading them to know if I need to be silent yeah. or I need to invoke it out of them like what what are you processing right yeah. now versus like hey go think about it when you're ready to talk you know especially if you know your athletes well enough you yeah. can just I'm sure Andy you can just see him and know whether he needs to you know start cussing some something out for five yeah, minutes yeah. or he needs to just be like where did I fuck up like what did you see right. you know what I mean and I think that I think as humans, like athlete or coach or not, I think as humans we just don't do that enough for people. And so I think that one of the big things that we're trying to push with the way that I teach coaches or I teach athletes is like you just, you have to be more aware of your own humanity, especially in competition because like you said, like well, look at the workouts this weekend. There are men and women that were cut in the first event that would have been top 10 in events that we've seen later in the weekend. And does that take away from what they've done or who they are? No. Is it the price to pay for wanting the admission to being the fittest? Yes. Is that a new landscape we're going to have to navigate? Absolutely. But that doesn't change the fact that none of these competitors or coaches aren't human. It doesn't take away from that. So for you, when you start to look at the new landscape, which, you know, it is what it is not I personally think it's great there's a lot of people in the community that disagree it, it, you know it's but I think if anything it, it caused people to put perspective like you said back into the commitment of life but for you as a coach and somebody that works with athletes if you were to make a piece of this is going to I understand that this is a big question so it's yeah. going to be a very general statement but as you look at the new season like how do you think is a way that's going to be a healthy way to approach the new landscape whether that be where do I choose to compete right. do I choose to do the open do I not yeah. choose to do the open do I try to be the national champion or do I try to go for a sense of mm, I don't know how am I trying to say this it's like some for some people 
they view the national champions as not legitimate, but going to a sanctional makes them legitimate. But it's like, well, every ticket is a ticket. It doesn't matter. So how do you start to process that? And what do you foresee as being a very healthy way to try to approach that? Like yeah. I said, that's a big question. It's, a big question. it's going to be a general statement. I understand. Well, I think I think the first the first thing we can say for sure is that there's a change of the athletic season in terms of the calendar now. And that definitely works in our favor as, as coaches and athletes sure. in terms of you know mapping out what the next 12 months is going to look like. This year, we all know, was a bit hectic because changes were made halfway through a season. So we've got two Opens in the same year. Uh, and, you know, for someone like for someone who's competed at games who made it via the Open this is a quick turnaround now they're going to finish the games in the next couple of days and they have a couple of months to start prepping for the Open which as we know you know historically is a very different set of tests to what we typically see here so that's going to be a challenge but we do know know, we've got to get through 2019 and hopefully see some more regularity in that and I think I think, you know, I've heard rumours with regards to the Open itself being that that's going to be used as your, your Open scores potentially maybe used as your... Like a seed. Yeah, your qualifying yeah. spot to the sanctioned events now. You know, if you're someone who is going to go through the Open to the CrossFit Games, we know that it's kind of an important step because it's going to have some bearing on what happens at the Games. It's, now, a, it's a general metric. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So I think, I think the Open, for a lot of people who are, you know, whether you're... Uh, you know, a country winner or someone who's going to look to qualify the CrossFit Games by the Open. Whether you're now a sanctioned athlete because you know that's something you want to focus on because there's a potential for prize money, there's a potential for travel, there's the opportunity to get more competition. And regardless of what it is, I think the Open still plays a really important purpose. Um, but you know, I think it really allows us now to map out ahead of time. We know now that I think there's going to be 27 sanctioned events, 28, 28 sanctioned events. Yeah. Now you can start to pick and choose as early as now what you want to do. Right. Of course, like bearing online qualification will determine whether you actually get there or not. But you know, last season what we saw is that a lot of the good guys and girls who were trying to get to games via sanctionals um, were just like signing up to every competition to see how they go and like if you're Matt Fraser and you make it your first comp then that's amazing but then you look at someone like Josh Miller uh, who you know he got the very last bet the French that they threw down Mm. and that is like a stressful that is a crazy season that he's had to endure there you know Will Morad as well he did 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 Josh qualify like last minute through the MAC is that how he got no he went through French throwdown French throwdown that's what it was and then you had Will Morad who uh, he qualified via was it Reykjavik I don't oh yeah it was but, you know, yes, before yeah. that he'd already done two sanctioned events right. finished on the podium in both of them mm. but didn't quite finish one. he was one spot away from making it right. and you know he'd already booked the French throwdown so if Reykjavik didn't work he was going to have one last go at it and you know that's four games volume games intensity events leading into a and mental and emotional yeah stress. I mean that's you yeah. can't even the most resilient like that's going to have a taxing right. effect on how well they can perform at the end right. of the year so, you know, I think just in terms of the calendar itself, we've got way more structure. We know a lot more about what the season looks like. Certainly haven't been here to the games this year. We have a bit more of an idea of what the whole CrossFit Games weekend looks like. Right. I don't know if they're going to make some changes. I think there will be some changes next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how drastic, but I think there might be changes to eliminations. I definitely think the point scoring system is going to have to change. So I don't think that was well thought through enough, especially now we're getting to smaller groups of athletes. What do you think about Max's idea on performance-based scoring? I like it. I think it's great. I think it's I think it's a good solution to now. I mean, like, now we're getting to 10 athletes right. and the 10-point spreads between athletes, like, 
That's wanna, a big spread. And I feel like, too, like there's so many other sports that do that. Like, yeah. if we want to be legitimized, yeah. like it's just a piece of that. But Yeah. And I just think, I think we can kind of put that down to the fact that this is the first year they're trying it out. Right. I mean, I, I've already, already saw backstage being with the athletes and the coaches and how they're releasing the cuts. There was already changes in how they delivered all of that from day one to day two. And then there was changes again from day two to day three. So I think it's a big learning experience. Just in the way that they were, like verbally released that yeah, information? Yeah, how you found out as an athlete. I mean, day one was like brutal. Oh, that sucks. It reminded me of like... Hunger Games? <laughs> it reminded me of like rugby tryouts. Like oh, yeah, just, yeah. You just finished your tryout and you just, sat there in the bleachers and you're just waiting for your name to be called out. And if it doesn't get called out, like yeah. you sit behind and they snip your athlete band off you and oh, out you go. Shit, son. Yeah. <laughs> which is like, which is brutal. <laughs> I'm just so, yeah, I'm, I'm so happy sure. that we weren't on the receiving end of that. Yeah, but right. like, it was like tense enough because, you know, we were right on the cusp for the first two sure. workouts. So, I mean, like, an absolute roller coaster for the yeah. athletes. So I think, I think in terms of the changes to the season, in terms of dealing with it, I actually think this year, the year coming up now, starting with the Open in October, yeah. is going to provide you know a lot more structures for the athletes I know what that's going to mean it's going to mean it's going to be a little bit easier to peak a little bit easier to taper a little bit easier to deload you know, and to structure your year mentally, like just how you yeah. kind of are deciding, like, okay, this is when I know I'm going to be going here. This is how right. I prepare for it and everything. Yeah. For you as a coach, um, obviously, you know, like you're saying, there's some the way they've released some of the cuts and how that's gone. But are you in favor of the of the cut system? Do you believe that that is a a, a good avenue to get to the final day of competition? I think it is. I like. I, I can understand why the cut system is in place. You know, essentially 150 athletes. There could be logistical problems with running three days of competition with 150 males, 150 females. I think, you know, if we're to assume that a lot of these changes have come from like a financial reason as well, then it doesn't make sense to be having right. 150 pieces of equipment for, you know, four days of competition. Yeah. So I can understand why they've done it. I think in terms of the execution of how they've done it, like you said, the goal is still to get your 10 fittest athletes or essentially the fittest male, fittest female at the end of it. You know, having one workout, one event, and then making a cut, I think is brutal yeah you know perhaps next year that becomes two workouts right you know so before the first cut happens there's two workouts maybe the cuts are a little bit smaller sure and then i think you know just in the nature of the events that has a huge bearing on the cut system as well you know if we take something like the sled push bar muscle up sled push there was no separator in that workout really yeah. everyone's going to do bar muscle ups unbroken everyone's going to move fairly fast but for 20 athletes that was a cut right or 10 athletes i think it was and it's like you know, was that workout showcasing enough to really determine whether great, good athlete number one doesn't make it to the next stage? Sure. So I think that's something they're going to hopefully look at as well, because uh, you know, in that in that abs- in that case in that scenario, like if your sled got stuck for a split second as you pushed it, like that yeah. could be your game right. games to go over. Right. Just like so, anything you're saying, there's a, like everything, there's just so many variables to, to everything. Absolutely. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, like, it is across the games. The tests are varied. They are unknown. And unknown, it's a very unknown. young sport. And it's a young sport, yeah. yeah. You know, I think we're, as a coaching team, we're probably going to walk away from this competition. And, like, perhaps we're going to have a different approach to how we prep a games athlete for the competition. Like, right. definitely can't ignore running, that's for sure. We've always <laughs> known statistically that something's yeah. going to be in there. But, like, how many events now have we had with running? Yeah. No, it's, it's or some variation that is taxing something similar. Exactly. Right. But again, it, it may all change next year, and sure. it probably will. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's just the beauty of the sport. I think yeah. definitely, we were talking before the podcast, one thing that definitely is apparent now is that if you want to make it to the final cut, if you want to make it far in the competition with a new format, you cannot afford to have holes in your game. Right. Because 
previous years, you know, as a games athlete, you know that you're going to have 12 to 15 workouts, which means you can afford to have one to two bad workouts and still perform well or finish with a high placing. Or knowing, like, usually what the first few event styles right. are going to be. Yeah. Right. Now, if that quote-unquote bad workout comes out in the very first one, then you're not making it yeah. past event one. Yeah. So... Yeah, it definitely, I don't think, I think all coaches, generally speaking, are aiming to improve their athletes' limiters as much as possible. But yeah. like, you know, there are some coaches and some athletes who know that movement X or energy system X is a big limiter. Mm-hmm. Not even to worry about it. I'm really willing to take a hit on that, on that one event if it comes up, but I'll win everything else. So yeah. it's going to be interesting to, yeah. to kind of statistically look at what they test this year, what energy systems we use, and then kind of... Yeah. use the data to plan the next year yeah. no, so I, I, think, I think generally speaking I'm, I'm really in favour I think it's good I think so too and I think that I understand where from a spectator standpoint it's well it's new you know what I mean so of course we're going to get a lot of criticism it, it is what it is like there's no sport you know you look at like even like boxing when they add weight classes or take away the weight classes there's always a or the ufc like with you know one fc in asia where you guys are like yeah. uh the ufc you know they do uh hydration testing for one at one fc for a weight cut or ufc in my opinion doesn't give a shit and they just want people to make a weight class like there's always going to be variables to the demand on the process the demand on the qualification the demand on what actually qualifies you to be who you think you are as an athlete or as a coach so i think for me as a coach i love it because it makes me it forces me to never be complacent as a coach because it's like i always have something to go shit Okay, you know what I mean? And I think for the athletes, it's always going to know. I think more than ever in the sport, you know, we went through a season of the old school CrossFit where it was the Spielers, the Bridges, just be able to do something really well and the rest enough. Then we went to the big guy CrossFit. It was big guy. It was pick up a barbell. It was do these things. And now I feel like we're actually coming back to a sport of fitness where it is, if by definition, possibly a sport of fitness and I think that to me the cuts are interesting or going to be more interesting because like you said it's going to probably take two or three years of the game staff figuring out like what's a process that actually showcases but also makes sense but also it's like there's just so many like I said I knew this was going to be a very general statement but it's good it's It's, good discussion I think it's I think it's interesting and I think that obviously for what I do as a coach but then also you know what I do on the vendor side of everything like it's very interesting to see you know I don't know it's just something that's out of every sport I've ever been involved with it's something that I think is I think as a whether you want to say an intellect or as a doer as a coach it's just something that is very interesting it's very interesting as athletes so but Ed I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me about this and uh, it's uh it's been cool to watch you guys I mean it's been cool to watch Tammy and Auntie and just the progress of I like I like the fact that we're starting to see athletes like them who have been involved in being an athlete in the sport actually now finally get to see that something is producing an avenue for athletes that are durable and resilient because I think in the long term those are the types of athletes that we're going to see progress and evolve in our sport and He's never going to listen to this, but I think that slowly the Matt Frazier's of the sport will start to phase out. And then we saw that we're seeing it this weekend. We're seeing limiters for the first time ever. If it's classic Matt, he'll probably come back next year and just win it all again. But I think this was the first first description of, you know, the evolution again of the sport. And I think for you, like, what's outside of 
um, you know, working with your athletes, what's been the most fun that you've had this weekend so far? I mean, I mean, it's a huge, it's a huge learning opportunity for me as well. You know, I've been able to travel to sanctioned events, I've been able to tr travel to regionals for five, six years, um, but this is just kind of like a whole new kettle of fish. Um, obviously, like you have a field now of well, starting, let's really take it from the 50s sure. onwards, where yeah. every athlete is like capable, capable, and right, and that's very, that's very different when it comes to designing pacing strategies. It's very different when it comes to thinking about placing in competition and racing. Uh, so that's been that's been huge for me. I think in terms of personally for me, like navigating this huge arena, mm -hmm. where previously it's warm up area competition floor, and here we're moving from venue A to venue B to venue C. Sure. I think the unknown of getting like events released last minute sure. has provided a real challenge in terms of like prepping the athletes from a recovery standpoint, from a nutrition standpoint, sure. from a warm up cool down standpoint. We've had a few events yesterday whereby. The event got wrapped up. There was a briefing to know if you made the cut or not. And if you made the cut, you had 15 minutes before you were getting briefed for the next workout. Mm, sure. And that made it really hard for an athlete and a coach to kind of forecast and try and, you know, even have one-on-one -on -one time with the athletes to try and prep them as best possible. Right. So that, I think what that really puts emphasis on is the the athlete to take onus and responsibility for themselves. Sure. I think there's other competitions which are a little bit more informal, a little bit smaller. You know, you can really have a lot more impetus as a coach to kind of walk them through the process from A to B. But I mean, that's just hard to do here. Yeah. So I think a lot of athletes are on their own a lot of time before, you know, essentially one of the biggest events of their life, if it's about a cut, making sure. a cut or not. And they have to be able to, you know, design their own strategy. They have to be able to think on their feet. They have to be able to make adjustments to nutrition and warm-ups, cool-downs, recovery on the fly. So that's been cool to see. Sure. You know, I've been fortunate to have, and, and we've, we've done, you know, three, four years of competitions together whereby, you know, as I said before, I'm almost, when it comes to this this time when it's competition time, I'm just a sounding board. Sure. I'm there to answer questions if he has any. You've already I'm done there. the work. It's exactly. now just letting him kind of figure I'm there to kind of give confirmation on the strategy or, or any thoughts he has. And at the end of the day, when it comes to things like strategies, I always want him to go with his gut. Right. You know, he's experienced enough, he's been in the sport, he's a coach himself that mm -hmm. doesn't really need me to right. to kind of walk him through start to finish of a workout. Right. Um, I'll give a recommendation if he wants it, but if he doesn't feel like that's actually really what he wants to do, like, you've got to make a decision yourself. Right. Whereas, you know, you're going to have younger athletes in the sport who aren't going to be in that position to make those decisions sure. themselves. So that's been a real good challenge for me as well. Um, and I guess, yeah, you know, just navigating the whole, like, emotional roller coaster of cuts you know, this year we, it was probably a good thing that we were right on the cusp on day one. Just survived cut one, just survived cut two. You know, he was the last place to make that 50% cut, the 50 athlete cut. And uh, that was good to see because now we've kind of prepped ourselves. To know, a little like, bit of pucker factory going yeah, on. Yeah, you know, we've been here before. If this happens sure. again, like, yeah. you know, essentially that's another event. Because, right. you know, when you compete in events and you've got, you know, 12, 15, 16 events yeah. over four days, you know there's highs, you know there's lows, but now you have in between every one of those events mm -hmm. an extra high and an extra low when you're and, waiting to know if you made it. And that in itself is a skill that is is very, you know, it's very advantageous to be able to have gone through that. Yeah. You know, sure. I'm sure, like, did you play sevens or nines? Sevens. Okay. Se uh, sevens and fifteens. Okay. Um, but primarily sevens. Yeah. Okay, so, like, you, you know how it is. It's like one thing wrong in the scrum and, like, that's, that's, that's it. You yeah. know what I mean? And I think that that's what, like, for me, like, I played rugby in high school, you know, and probably not to the level that you did, but I think that that's, that's one thing that our coach always talked about, even when I was young, is that 
every little bit that isn't perfect is just it's just one more thing to just take away from you know and I think to me when I view the cuts and I've been thinking about it all weekend as I've been watching and I've been seeing people post and obviously Max does a really good job on his thoughts Travis does a good on his thoughts but I think what's cool about that is you get to see that yeah we're just seeing we're just seeing a new mental and emotional piece be out there for what you know what the coach athlete relationship goes right. through. So, yeah. well, cool. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time, man. So, Cheers, Mike. Appreciate you, bro. Yeah.